Are there any believers in the house this morning? Give me a hit. Oh, boy, I tell you what. <laughs> Some of you said, Pastor, something going on with your voice. Yeah, uh, we, we have these, we did this thing. You know, you know, we don't get a lot of sleep right now with the babies and stuff. It's getting a little better. But we left the windows open right next to the bed in this old desert, California, cold, wet air. I woke up one morning and my voice was gone. And I was like, oh, Lord. But, you know, when you're on an assignment, you will get it done. You know how it is. And, and of course, this will seem to be the hell week for the church. It was a hell week. But, you know, but God, he, he, he gives us what we need before we step into those weeks. And we were able to be there as a church and respond to crises out throughout the week. This happens in fourth quarter, unfortunately. But God is faithful. Right? He's faithful. So if you hear me squeaking at different times or whatever, it's just because I probably got my voice back early this morning. But it's all good. It's all good. My voice works from my heart. Hey. Oh, yes. Is that SV? Who was that? Was that Rhino? <laughs> you know what? So, something else. I like to hear. I like it. Everybody brings their, brings their, their uniqueness to uh, this community. It's this beautiful family. I love it. And I, I saw Steve coming this morning, so I knew if I needed a whistle, I was going to have a whistle. I knew once I saw SB, there was going to be some laughter. You know, and there was going to be lots of laughter. I knew from Derek I was going to get some good wisdom. I mean, just all the stuff. So I'm just glad to, I'm just glad that we get to be here like this and and I, I'm ready for the word. Give me one hit. Oh, yeah. What key we in? E flat sounds different this morning to me. <laughs> Go to A flat. Yeah. Give me three hits. <laughs> oh, it's because it's sounding real bassy up here. It's sounding real bassy up here. Yeah, give me that high treble. Give me a hit. Holly! Oh, okay. There we go. You know, Dan, you have to get the room tuned just right. The room has to be tuned just right. And one of the things we do when we do that is hopefully not only bring an awareness to the musical mechanics in the room, but what we're trying to do is in part show what is happening in heaven, that there is praise happening, that if you were in heaven right now, Right now, there would be a joy and a vibrancy of life and of clarity and of light. And when we gather as a community of believers, we bring heaven wherever we are. And it's odd to me that sometimes churches get together and heaven doesn't come in to the time that the people say they're there for God. So we're pushing to get and see, God, give us revelation of what it is like to actually be with you, that your kingdom come, bring heaven to earth and release heaven through my praise and release heaven through my decision makings in every area and arena. So what you're getting is a microcosm of a little bit of what it's going to be like in heaven. We got a way to go, but we're going to get there. We are going to bring everything that God has, and we're going to release that, not just when we gather on Sunday morning, but when we walk out those doors, we're going to be missional. It'll be like, I can't wait for those people who go to that church to come to this workplace or to this park, et cetera, so on. And so we're in that spirit, and we're going to remain in, in that spirit. We've been talking about what it means to believe God, that every single thing in our faith is, is contingent. It's contingent on believing God. You can't love God unless you know that God is who he says he is. If I don't believe God, I can't receive God's love. 
We're not of these people who say, oh, well, you know, I believe in faith. I've got faith in faith. That's, that's, I'm going to say it this way. Can I, can I just say it like I'm at home since I'm at home? That's stupid. What do you mean you got faith in faith? No. That's unfounded, ungrounded. This is a silly optimism. That's shallow. No, our faith is in a person. A person that we can trust and who's been tested, who has credibility. If I'm putting my faith in someone, I want to put my faith in God. I want to put my faith in the one who speaks and makes things happen. Who never leaves me nor forsakes me. Who sees me and knows that my frame is as dust and cares about me in my vulnerabilities. I'm putting my faith in somebody who not only can do something, but who can do everything. And he cares and he knows me. So we've been in this discussion about believing God and everything in our faith hinges on belief in God. From Genesis to Revelation, everything is happening because of a belief in God. Well, why? 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 We're looking at who God is. At points in our time together, we've talked about his isness. His isness. You like that? Isness. Who God is. A little ebonics coming in for you. It is-ness. This is a way of speaking about God's character. I'm putting my faith in his character on who he actually is. Not, 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 not some idea, or, but, but, but who he actually is, his character. Then we talked a little bit about we put our faith in him because he's able to do everything, being omnipotent, being all-powerful, all power being in his hands. He can do anything because he's all-powerful. I'm putting my faith in somebody who's got power. I'm not putting my faith in a, in a oh, let me, oh, wait, hold on. <laughs> Bringing it back because, you know, I'm, I'm really respectful. I'm putting my faith in someone who is competent. Have you ever put your faith in somebody incompetent? You learned, didn't you? <laughs> mm. But God is, somebody say, competent. And when we are going to put our faith in someone, we're talking about God. We want to put our faith in somebody who is able to deliver. That who can give a word and then follow through on what they said that they would do. Somebody who is faithful and who is trustworthy. Somebody say competent. Our faith is not in optimism. Our faith is not in faith. Our faith is in the fact that, Sandra, he is competent. He is all-powerful. All-powerful. And we'll get into this a little bit more, I believe, in 2022. We almost got into it when we were in Matthew uh, chapter 6 just recently. But we move into saying, I put my faith in a person who is not only, who is not only got an impeccable character or integrity, not only is competent, but somebody who does what he says he's going to do, which deals with covenant. It deals with covenant, that your God is a covenant-keeping God. And when I am faithless or unfaithful, God, being God, is going to remain faithful. Amen. Oh, if I commit spiritual adultery or for the times I have committed spiritual adultery on God, he has not removed his hand from me because of a covenant relationship that I have between him and his son. 
that he doesn't see me apart from he sees Jesus. He sees me. We'll, we'll, we'll unpack it and we'll do this, do it very precept, um, line by line. Because this is important to know that if I make a, I'm going to say it like this. Steve, if I make a deal with God, God's going to keep his end of the bargain. And he's laid out for me what it is like to, as we said earlier, partner with God. That in a covenant, you have partnership. So my faith is in someone who has got the character, who is competent, and who is covenant keeping. When I'm losing my mind, I can't find my way. He's not going to lose his mind and and go a different way. He's going to keep his end of the bargain. I'm so glad that he is. We we talk about it this way a lot. Our God is a promise-keeping God. That's when we talk about promise keeping, we're talking about a covenant that Israel and God had a covenant. And then through Jesus, the church, we've been grafted in and we have covenant now with God. The same blessings that were on Abraham are on the church. For those of you who have a little bit more Bible. But we will do a precept and just lay it down. So we say, what's a covenant? It's real. But we've been talking that way. We've been talking that way these weeks that everything is by is by faith. And this morning, what we want to do is turn to this part. Somebody say our part. Boy, I tell you what, there are times when we really want to get off the hook for our part. I know because I've been there. Oh, man, I've I've wrestled with God with some things for some years. I mean, I've gotten better and he's been gracious to me. I would say, God. You got all power in your hand. You could just do it. Why you want to work through me? Why do you want to work through me? I'm flawed. I got issues and my issues have issues. Why do you want to work through me? He's a God of partnership. He's a God of covenant. He's a God of relationship. That's how he works. I am in charge of some things. You are in charge of some things. The church has been entrusted and is in charge of some things. And we shrink back often from our responsibility as the church. But I've wrestled with him for years. You're perfect. Why do you do it this way? Just override me. He's like, no, because I want you to look like me. You need to come on up. No, that's why he does that. That's one reason. You're going to look more like me. You're made in my image. It's your destiny. To rule on the earth as I rule in heaven. Give me a hit. And that's where we find ourselves. And in the text we're going to read, you could say dealing with heaven to earth, or the way we say it at bridge, excelling in love, excelling in love or bringing heaven to earth. The reality, God, that you have established the way things should be. Give me the wisdom to demonstrate the way things should be here on the earth. The world will not be perfect this side of heaven, but I am still charged. I am still responsible to bring as much of heaven here as possible. Can I get a woot woot? So take a look at James chapter 2, verses 14 through 26. Let's look at that together. 
James chapter 2, verses 14 through 26. This is dealing with our part. I like this little uh, rhetorical thing here, this little argument, uh, the way James puts this out there. He says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, you foolish person that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. That's a good conversation they were having, huh? James was like, y'all going to line up. You're going to line it up. Now, let me ask you a question. Is this passage saying that in order to be in heaven with God, that you've got to go to church? Oh, it's good. Oh, see, I make, that make a pastor feel good when the church say no like that. A lot of y'all say, oh, I'm so glad. Because I was like, I can't teach the other message. If they say yes, I'm like, oh, I got to. I can't teach the message. <laughs> I need to teach this other thing. <laughs> You are right. That's not what's being discussed here. It's not talking about a saving faith with God like that. It's saying that if you have been saved, if you are forgiven, live accordingly. From your gratitude of what's been done, flow in that way. If you know God believes in you, believe in yourself and flow. Show up at your workplace and flow. Just, just, and not because you're trying to earn or get brownie points with God, but because you know God loves you and you're just so glad to be loved by God. Because you know you. And you say, well, if you could really love me, okay, and you do, I live, I live with you and for you. So I'm so blessed that you know that this passage isn't dealing with, you got to do good or you're not going to make it. But it is dealing with a certain fulfillment. Of you saved, now what? 
you, you saved, okay? What difference is it making in the world that you are saved? And so he's, he's, he's talking to them. He's talking to them about that. Now in the time remaining, I got such a, a, a clear word. <clears throat> and, and we're going we're gonna to aim this word in, 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 the, in the space that uh, was laid on my heart. So we're, we're going to talk about, um, we're going to apply this really in the area of, of work. Work-related situations. Work-related. And, and the principles apply in, in every area of life. They apply at home. They apply um, in, at the grocery store. They apply uh, at the soccer club. They apply at the golf course. The principles apply everywhere. But I got such a specific word about work-related things. And so I'm setting you up because I want you to think specifically about your work-related things. Okay? Okay, so, so with that, take a look at this video. Called the Great Resignation, a record number of Americans are telling their bosses, I quit. According to a new Labor Department report, 4.3 million people quit in August. That's the highest number of people quitting on record, dating back to more than 20 years. And that's up from 4 million who walked away from jobs in June. Leading the quitters, restaurant, hotel, and retail employees. 892,000 workers in food and accommodations quit in the month. 721,000 employees in retail. Workers in state and local government education also quit by the thousands. There are more jobs available now than ever before in U.S. history. Many businesses are suffering from a major shortage of workers. With the 10.4 million jobs open, employers are scrambling to find help. My, my, my. How many of you are familiar with this term, the great resignation? How many of you have seen it used? Okay, so not many. Okay, that's helpful. That's why I showed it because I, I just really wasn't that sh clear on how many people, and I couldn't harass Pastor Maddie this time and ask him about it. <laughs> you know what I learned? That's a little inside joke because Pastor Maddie uh, preached last Sunday, and uh, he was throwing me all kinds of shade, really. <laughs> so I decided that I would not ask him this time about whether or not he knew what the great resignation was. He, I don't know, but he did teach me something this last week. He did teach me something this last week. May I share it with you? He told me, um, he said, don't say thought. I texted, you got it instantly, huh? Because he told me that thought is an acronym that stands for that hoe over there. See, that's why it's important to have relationships, all ages, all to help you. Because I was saying, I asked him about something. It come up and I said, you know, thoughts, you know, question mark. Like that. He was like, don't, don't say that. So now I have equipped you as well. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor Maddie. The great resignation. When we look at the impact of uh, COVID-19 and remote working and working from home and the, the situation of all of the change 
all of the change. I mean, you saw the report. There's such a massive upheaval in the economy, things that we know. But when I was praying, not about today, just praying for you in general as I do, I heard this and then I just spilled it out from here. And I just got to doing research of saying, well, okay, what, what, what are you talking to me about, Lord? What, what am I supposed to serve? And so I saw, found this clip and I said, we, we've got to show this clip to really highlight just how much change is, 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 is happening across the world, but uh, especially in, in our world. And when you have this much change happening, the first thing I think about is grief. Because massive change is, brings grief. And what do you do when you are, uh, in, in essence, a victim to a circumstance? You can't, you, you can't control a, a, a pandemic. We, we try to survive a pandemic, but you can't control it. But what do you do when all of life has been turned upside down and you've got kids at home and you're trying to figure out what child care is going to look like and how you're going to schedule your Zoom calls and do I really want to be in this miserable job anymore? I didn't like it before COVID. Now I'm in COVID. I hate it even more. So when I'm seeing all the massive upheaval, upheaval, I'm hearing grief. But what do you do when you live in a society or in a, in a space that does not know how to properly grieve? Oh, what happens is you get, a, you get these upticks in crime, in domestic violence. The, the switchboards are going crazy because there's so much change and people don't know how to properly say what's going on, what they're feeling, how to deal with their emotions in a healthy way. So then it just goes negative. It just goes negative. And so I wanted to ask you this morning, how have you been dealing with all the change, especially at work? Have you had a good cry about all the change, about things are so different? It was like this. It's not like that anymore. How are we going to do this? How are we going to get these things done? When you, add to the, when you add to it that people, most people, I didn't have to pull a stat for this. Most people don't like their jobs. Anyway, can you, of course you can because we're, we're, we're real. And so I'm dealing with, oh, Lord, my people. As we've been processing this over the course of this pandemic, and Lord, you bring us to this place today. I'm not going to get to the word that you gave me until I ask my people, your precious people, how are you dealing with all the change? Are you grieving? Have you shed any tears? Our tears are one of the most proper God-honoring ways to, to deal with all of the change. If you're crying, if you can allow tears to fall down your face because you say, I just hate this. I just hate what it is. I don't know how to plan. I don't know how to think about my, my future decisions. If you've had those tears where you say, God, here's my heart. I'm so confused. If you've had that, I'm so happy for you. I'm so happy for you. But do you know people are okay with carrying so much pain and they're not crying those tears? We being a people of lament, lament is a form of worship before God. We are supposed to know how to lead the way in crying the tears. 
Believing God is not just about doing the great exploits. I'm going into the promised land. Oh, yeah, I'm going into the, oh, yeah, come on, here I come into the promised land. No, believing God is also about crying tears of grief. Did Jesus believe God? Jesus shed those tears. But what about us? Have we taken the time? I call this, a, some of you call it a quiet time, but I like to sit with God and talk to God about how I feel. That's how I've been sane. That's, that's, how, that's how I make it. As I, as I actually get with God and I tell God first, first, before I tell anybody else a thing, I get with God and I tell him how I'm feeling. I have a, what's called a relationship with God. That's, that's what you do in a relationship when, when you have when you, you know people and you know they're competent and you know they're safe, you know they're covenant keeping. You, 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 you share how you feel. You know they're not going to turn it on you and your business is not going to be all out in the street. You can be honest before God. You can be transparent before God. You can be broken before God. And we lead the way in this because we are believers. Do I have any believers in the room this morning? When those tears are falling because we're grieving all the changes, when we're grieving what is no longer going to be as we're looking ahead to the unknown, that is a part of walking in faith just as much as any other thing you might be thinking of. So sit down somewhere and get in God's presence and cry the tears you need to cry because it's hurting you. Because if that doesn't come out in a healthy, positive way, it's coming out in other ways. It's coming out in that marriage. It's coming out in how you treat people. It's coming out in how you drive traffic. <laughs> Give me a hit. Can you, can you, you got to do perfect pitch. <laughs> I'm trying to get to the, the, the main course, Dan, I'm, but I, I'm not quite there yet. Because I, I just want, I just want us to be well and well in the Lord. So what, what that means is you when you have some people call it quiet time, there's nothing wrong with that. But I, I was telling the folks earlier that sometimes my times with the Lord, they're not quiet. But I'm gonna sit with God. I'm gonna sit with God. Somebody say every day. Yeah, because I like to have a relationship every day. I don't want just a relationship on Sunday. I don't want just a relationship on, you know, Tuesday, Tuesday at two o'clock. And I want to sit with God, and I'm going to listen. I'm going to get real still, and I'm going to listen to my own heart. I'm going to listen to my own heart. Another word the scripture used for our own heart is I'm going to listen to my own spirit. And I'm going to see if something come up in there, see if something ugly come up in there. I'm just going to sit in his presence. Lord, I'm just sitting with you. And then sometimes tears are going to fall and they're going to be tears of lament. Sometimes tears are falling, they're tears of joy. Sometimes I'm going to be praying for you guys. I'm going to be praying about something. God's going to be doing all that wonderful stuff he does. But can I tell you, this has got to be done every day, every day, every day, every day. Somebody shout every day. Every day. Yeah, because if you, if, if you don't do that every day, if you don't get that kind of cleansing for your soul, oh, oh my goodness. And you're, and, you're, and you're already dealing with the effects of holding in so much um, um, toxicity. And you think it's okay. 
It's not okay. Because what are you going to do? If you don't deal with it properly, then whoever you're married to or whoever you're closest to, they're going to become the target of you not properly processing what is going on in your own soul. And then all of a sudden, you were already dealing with the issue, but now the relationship's got an issue. Then it spills over, and then the enemy of men's souls is like, I am so glad these people are so unhealthy emotionally. There's no way in the world they're going to bring heaven to earth. They are so unhealthy emotionally. They are not real about anything. Quote all the Bible verses you want. Your soul is full of poison. It's real, huh? But you get that stuff out of you daily. I just check in. I just check in with him. Lord, try me. Know me. See if there's any anxious thoughts in me. Am I in the Bible? Okay, this is, this is Bible, okay? Um, this is Bible. See if there's any way in me. See if there's any anxious way in me. What am I? Why do I keep worrying about it? And why do I think it's okay to keep worrying about it? Something is not right, God. Come on now. But when you sit in his presence every day and you have a real relationship every day. But some people, when they think about God and they think about getting with God day in and day out, they are thinking, it's like they, it's like they get a lobotomy. It's like they're compartmentalizing so severely that that does not, tra- that their relationship with God is not translating into their day in and day out relationships. I can't tell you guys to get more time with the, in the word or something like that. I know I can tell you though, please sit down somewhere and tell God what's on your heart. Tell him. Tell him before you tell anybody. Tell him, please, before you tell me. (laughs) Tell him before you tell anybody else. And that's called honor. You're honoring yourself. You're honoring God. And you're honoring your relationships. Yes, relationships can handle things. We thank God for that. But the person you're married to or your best friend or your prayer partner, they ain't God. But God has the capacity for all that stuff. He doesn't see me come and be like, oh, here he come again. <laughs> here he come again. Oh. <laughs> Didn't we already talk about this? <laughs> I'm still trying to get to what the Lord gave me for you. But you have to, we have to deal with this. Because we don't want to fake the funk. Right. You don't want to fake the funk on the nasty dunk. Um, Pastor Maddie, do me a flavor. I am not, I am not a distraction to our online church by being down here, am I? Okay, thank you. Because I love our online church. I'm like, I want to make sure okay, everybody's good. Okay, good. And so I'm just like, before, to, to get to where the Lord wants us to go. We got to keep it real every day with him. But I just want to express myself to another, another person. God is not a person. Part of maturity is saying, you know what? Let me take this stuff to the Lord. And with the Lord, you don't have to clean it up. You don't have to worry about, did I hurt God's feelings? You don't have to worry about, you just... This is how I feel about this. 
And then by the time you get with other people, you can bring them in and for prayer and things are healthy and they're not so pressurized. Things are more stable. But this is super important. If you have not taken any time to grieve about how much drama you've had to endure at work, at that job that you don't want to be at anyway, talking feelings wise, probably good at what you do. We can be real, right? Because I, like I said, I need stats for that. When you keep it real, and you say, wait a minute, okay. Okay, Lord. Let me grieve this so that I can move on. So I can receive healing from you. So I can walk in peace with you. But not just for me. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not worshiping God just so that I can have the American dream. That's not what this is about. I'm worshiping God because he's worthy to be worshiped, and I'm going to be as Jesus. I'm going to do what I'm doing so that others may live, so that I can help somebody else, not so that I can amass some things for myself. Oh, it might. Well, oh, that sucks for all those poor people, but I'm doing good. That sucks that they don't have any clothes or any food or the church can't do this. That I'm good. I'm good. We are so blessed. Huh? That's not what Jesus did. But, you know, people would try to use church and Jesus and faith like some weird genie in a bottle or weird thing. Like, like this is the way I'm going to achieve the American dream. Like, what? <laughs> I'm going to leave all that alone. That's enough, right? For now. That's enough. Somebody said, maybe. <laughs> so in our passage, it says that faith without works is dead. The way Jesus said it in Matthew 6 is that heaven would come to earth and heaven would be realized through earth. The way we say it at Bridge, all in the same spirit, same meaning, is to excel in love. That having you in your work or at your work or connected at work is how they're going to get heaven on earth. It's how they're going to see what it is to uh, have love be excellent and praiseworthy and honorable. And so, and so you got to change it because where we live, work, learn, and play, where we live, work, learn, and play. I want to step up on this thing, but I'm kind of like, you know how you get a little concerned? You're praying for me? Okay. Help me up. You know, I, I get, I, oh, nice, nice. You know, I get a little zealous. So I have to, you know, you know, I can do all things. But the wisdom is saying, you know, and me is not going to like this. I'm not as young as what I was. So I didn't know if I was going to trip over my big shoes. Liz, that would not have gone well. Somebody say grieve. Somebody say tears. Don't run from that. Get a, get a broader definition of what it means to hang out with God. Please don't. 
legalistically put yourself in some little box that it don't even work for you. If it ain't changing you, it's not working for you. So, I asked you about all the massive change and grieving. And I want to talk to you, give you some things that you know, but it's good to be reminded. With all of that change going on in our world and going on at your workplace, um, the Lord has you there to shine his light, to make a real difference, as Jesus would make. That's why you're there. And with, with people being so stressed out and people so full of anxiety and all the issues and drama, you know it's going to be much easier for you to stand out and have a witness for Christ. Let me say it another way. You better take advantage of the fact that God has put you at a place because you know him to make a real impact for him. Please see it the way that he sees it. Please see it the way that he sees it. Because as you do, you're going to have even more fulfillment. You're going to be a greater blessing to the people who are attached to you and who are around you. It's going to glorify. It's going to glorify God. So there are some things you want to watch out for. You want to watch out for gossip. Some people, I guess, you know, if you don't read the Bible or whatever, whatever, you know, you may not know. But did, let me ask you a question. Is gossip a sin? Like biblically? Yeah, it is. It misses the mark. Because instead of gossip, it should be gospel. Gossip is not godly. You, 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 you want to be the one, if there's gossip going on at your workplace, you want to be the one to come in there and just annihilate it. Like, oh, not up in this place. Not anywhere near around me. Holly! You was really thinking about it. You, was, yeah. you, 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 you want to do away with in, anywhere near. And then if there are people at your workplace and they're the gossipers even if you're not you know you're guilty by association right so then what you want to do is if you're with the company gossip you want to call another person in and have a witness there with you because you don't want to be labeled as a gossip because you're supposed to be labeled as the Jesus one you're the one that brings solutions and bring love and bring excellence in everything you do you don't want them misunderstanding where you're coming from. Have a witness there with you when you're with the company gossip. I believe that God is bringing us into a place of such promotion. Can you tell by this talk? This is why he put it on my heart. Just wait till this one thing he gave me. I'm getting there. Gossip. And, and some people don't. They say, oh, this it's just it's my guilty pleasure. Tearing people down is your guilty pleasure? 
can you please find a guilty pleasure that doesn't hurt other people as much? Somebody said chocolate. You still? No, no, I could argue it, but. <laughs> Gossip. That don't have, that's not to be anywhere near around us. So if, if, if you're around the company, gossip, please hear me. Get a witness around you. And some of you, if you've been taking part in gossip, guess what you get to do tomorrow? Guess what you get to do? You get to go, can we talk for a second? Hey, you know what? When I said da-da-da-da about this thing, I had no business saying that. Will you forgive me? Somebody say repent. Oh, you're going to have a witness at work. Oh, my goodness. This witness is going to keep growing and keep growing. That's what you get to do tomorrow. You get to go and say, you know what? Hey, can we talk about that real quick? I, I said this. I said this. I should not have been saying that. Can you please forgive me? Can you please? For That's what you do. Easy, easy breezy. Anybody that you've been talking about, you could say, oh, can we talk? I have to apologize to you. I've been talking bad about you. I'm sorry. Why are you giving me this apology? Because Jesus wants me to be love here. And love don't gossip. You did all that because of Jesus? Yeah, because he, that's not what he, he ain't about that. He's not in heaven gossiping about us. If he said it, it's going to be true. So that's what you do tomorrow. Amen. You get that stuff off of you. Some of you might lose your jobs, but it's okay because Jesus is worth it. Is Jesus worth it? Is he worthy? It's one thing to sing, you're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy, until we have to make a decision that says, I'm going to live for you. He's worthy of it. He can get you another job. He's Jaira. He's a provider. He's got your back. He's got you. He's got you. If you lose your job. Now, some of you might get promoted because they say, now, that's actually the kind of integrity we've been missing around here. But others of you, you might lose your job. But Jesus is worthy. This is that gospel. Ain't it good? This is gospel. And he says, as an act of worship, oh, Lord, my life is yours. Avoid conspiracy theories. <laughs> For those of you who don't know Church Online, Derek Destich just said, oh, it's time for me to go. <laughs> that was funny. Avoid conspiracy theories. Avoid fake news. We carry the gospel. It waters down the gospel if you got all this fake stuff you say. Well, what's the truth? Is this good? 
Okay. Avoid embellishment and watch exaggeration. Our words as Jesus followers, as those who love Jesus and who are following after him, our words build up. Our words encourage. Our words bring life. We speak the truth in love. Am I, am, is this right? Am I in the, okay, I'm in the Bible. Which leads me to this. Unforgiveness is blindness. I don't know if we have that slide, but unforgiveness is blindness. And I want you to think about work. And I want you to think about, oh, am I like unforgiving? Am I carrying unforgiveness with somebody I'm working with? Maybe somebody I report to, people who report to me, whatever. And let me tell you, this is what got us to the message today. Is when I was praying, this is what fell in my heart. Get this here. Because as we're making decisions, some of us are going to be switching jobs. Some of us are going to be getting promoted. Some of us are going to be doing, uh, making changes even within the company. Let me tell you this, for any plan that, is a, that, that you are working on, that you're submitting to God, unforgiveness is blindness. It will stop you from seeing. It will stop you from being able to make a clear-minded decision. It will influence the choices and decisions you make because it's an area that needs to be healed. This is so important. This is so important. I want to go into 2022 and I want to crush it in Jesus' name. I cannot bring unforgiveness with me into 2022. Shoot, forget that. I can't bring it with me into the next five minutes because I'm, I'm making moves. I'm making moves. I'm making moves. You're making moves. You're making moves. But I tell you, unforgiveness is blindness. Unforgiveness is blinding. How can I do what I see the Father doing when I've got unforgiveness blocking part of the way? I only do what I see the Father doing, Jesus said. Give me one hit. When I do what I see the Father doing like Jesus said, yes, I can bring in the excellence and I can bring in love and the culture of heaven. I can do all these things because I'm not blinded by my unforgiveness. This is critical as you are planning through and processing where you're going to move, what job you're going to take, what job you're going to apply for. Why are you applying for that job? Please, please search through your current situation before you make any changes and go, is there anybody here I need to forgive? Is there anybody here I need to forgive? This is one of the ways we believe God. Faith without works is dead. If I've got faith, I do the forgiving work. I'm going to give you this chart because this is so helpful for uh, releasing and bringing in and walking in more healing. But I don't want to just give you a chart. I want you to use the chart. It's not going to benefit you to just have, oh, well, there's a chart you can use. No, you got to use it. You got to go through the actual exercise and clear and make sure there's not any of that garbage in your mind, will, and emotions that are coloring that are blocking you, stopping you from seeing how you need to see as you're vision casting, as you're visioneering, as you're saying, okay, the next five years is going to look like this. The next 10 years is going to look like this. Oh, sir or madam, submit those plans to the Lord and make sure your heart is operating in forgiveness as you're doing any of that kind of stuff. Take a look at that chart real quick. This is a forgiveness prayer. It's available 
in, in your email, we, we sent out an email specifically about it uh, a few Mondays ago. It's also in the YouTube description box. But what I want you to do is to get this. You can take a picture of it now if you'd like. There's lots of ways to get it. You might already have it and have already seen it. Is actually sit down with the Lord and go through every single person at work. Any work-related person you have dealt with. And just see if any of their name comes up. Just, 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 just make sure. Just make sure. Just make sure you're good. And, 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 and I know for the Lord to press this on my heart this way, or I believe he pressed it on my heart this way. It's all, and when God brings a word for us, his word is always doing what? It's always protecting us. It's always uh, pr- uh causing us to persevere his word is always giving us peace his word is always ushering his prosperity there are there's this is the principle of what God's word always does if we work the word to hear this is one thing but to actually get the chart and go through and visualize okay this person okay no that's good this person okay this is good this person okay oh that's good this person Uh uh-oh uh-oh then it says, I choose to forgive with a name and be specific and forgive. Forgiveness, as you know, it doesn't mean that we're going to be best buddies. Forgiveness does not mean we're going to be reconciled. Forgiveness does not mean that you downplay a wrong that's been done to you. You guys know all this stuff. What the forgiveness is doing is bringing health and healing to your soul and causing your eye to be single. Freedom. And you're going to crush it in 2022 at work. You're going to crush it. You're going to crush it. That's why this is why we have this message. You're going to crush it. We might lose some of you because you're so awesome. But I'm going to be happy about it. But you take the steps. Take the steps. (laughs) Take the steps. 